At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again for another edition of the HHC. Sadly, it is a Silver Linings edition, first one we've had in a week. But, hey, all good things must come to an end. The Hornets shorthanded against the number 1 team in the Eastern Conference, the Philadelphia 76ers, end up falling short 118-111, the final score. Hornets falling to 10-12 and and still in a playoff position. Uh, but, obviously, the win streak comes to a close. we got a lot to talk about. We'll have our silver linings to this one. And one of my favorites, a new rookie ladder is out from NBA.com. You know I got some comments on that to help talk me off the ledge or, you know, let lessen the size of my head at being vindicated by the new rookie rankings. We've got Rob Longo, the producer for the Hornets Radio Network, here with us making a return to the Hornets Hivecast. Rob, how you doing? Living a dream, Sam. Living a dream. Hornets fall 118 to 111. Uh, initial takeaways for me for this one. This was going to be a tough matchup if the Hornets were 100% healthy. Philadelphia is a huge team. The Hornets are not, a, a in terms of height, a tall squad. Obviously, Cody Zeller being back in the lineup gives some positives at the center position for the Hornets. But when you look at not having P.J. Washington active for this game, not having Terry Rozier. You're down two starters, and I would argue that Washington's the more difficult one to replace than Rozier just because you're going up against the sheer size and strength on the Philadelphia roster. That was going to be a tough matchup no matter what, but without P.J., it it was a very tall task. To come away with a seven-point loss, I'm not that upset. I wouldn't be either, and... PJ has been playing so well lately, really. He's just been so good in that stretch five position that you've seen where Cody Zeller needed to take a break. So missing him really hurt, especially when Charlotte needed to go small in a couple instances to give 
Zeller a break or even when Biz Biombo came in a little bit there for a few minutes. He didn't play a ton. He ended up playing 12 minutes a day. But still, you always want to have some more depth where you need it, and especially in that 4-5 spot in the lineup is where Charlotte needs it. And you mentioned the length of the 76ers. It's just insane. You got Embiid as the 7-footer. Ben Simmons is listed at 6'10". Even Tobias Harris is 6'8". And there's just not that height on Charlotte's roster. And you even have Dwight Howard that came off the bench and provided a pretty big physical presence in the middle for the 76ers last night as well. Former Hornet Dwight Howard, who, by the way, is top 15 in NBA history, the game's history in rebounds and blocks. Quite the size advantage. At one point, the Hornets were playing a lineup where... Miles Bridges was the center, and Caleb Martin was the power forward. And then the three guards out there. It's a tall task for any team to stand up to the size and strength of the 76ers, even at full strength. But the Hornets certainly were not in last night's 118-111 to 111 loss. So I take away from it, especially with the fight that the Hornets showed coming back at the end, a lot of positives come away from it from my perspective. Let's hear from the head coach, James Borrego, his thoughts on last night's loss. Yeah, obviously the first quarter cost us. thought we were okay the rest of the way. We dug our, ourselves too big of a hole there in the first quarter. We had to play perfect just to catch up. But our guys kept battling. You know, there's a number of teams that would have given in right there. And we just kept battling. Got it to seven late. Tough call there. They made some tough shots down the stretch. But that's what happens when you put yourself in that position. Look, I, I'll watch the first quarter again. I thought we were getting enough stops early in that quarter. And we just could not convert. You know, we could not find the bottom of the net. Guys get battling, got to find, you got to give them credit. They're a heck of a defense. Obviously, they've given us trouble over the years defensively with their length and size. They give us nothing easy at the rim. They take away a lot of our pick and roll game, our, our spread game. They're a heck of a team, but we did find rhythm. I thought we found rhythm second half. We started to play a little faster and find some transition points. We started to hit some threes. That was important. So look, I saw a lot of growth throughout the game. You got to give them credit. They're a heck of a team. Going back to it, Rob, the team was playing without two starters. They had their lowest scoring quarter of the season in the first quarter, which had them down 17 at the end of 12 minutes. They had their lowest scoring half of the season, 42 points in the first half. And Devontae Graham, one of the starters who was available to them, had one of his weaker shooting efforts in probably a month, going 2 of 11 from deep. And yet... Devontae Graham was still a positive in the plus-minus. The Hornets still made it a seven-point game and actually got it to a two-possession game down the stretch and just showed unlimited fight and no quit from start to finish. I really came away more positive about the Hornets' momentum carrying through to the remainder of this week than negative at seeing the win streak snapped. I would agree with that, honestly. You talked about the beginning of the game, the lowest-scoring quarter of the season. The leading score after 12 minutes of play for Charlotte, Miles Bridges, he had four points. And then on the other side, you had Joel Embiid, who was pretty much in line for a double-double at that point. He had 13 points, and I believe he had about six rebounds up to that point, but he was 5'8 from the floor, 2 or 3 shooting, and Embiid was just a monster. And you mentioned it on the broadcast a little bit last night as well about how Embiid has been playing like an MVP. Yeah, he's been an all-star in the past, but we never heard those three letters kind of tied in with Embiid because he's usually always hurt or just kind of falters down the stretch a little bit. But he's been playing at a really high level this year. Give Philly a lot of credit. And Doc Rivers is a really good coach. Anytime that there was an inkling that the Hornets might have got back into the game last night, there were a couple of spurts there of like a 6-0 run to start the quarter, a 5-0 run to start the second quarter. Instantly, timeout. We're going to kill the momentum. 
We're going to reset. And that's what good coaches do. And I thought Doc Rivers did a good job managing that last night. Obviously, you wish he didn't. So then it, maybe the Hornets could get back and get some momentum. But there were three players last night that ended up in double figures in the second half alone. It was just a really strong second half for the Hornets last night. Yeah, they, they really did well. And to your point on Joel Embiid, at one point in the first quarter when he left the game after 10 minutes, he was personally outscoring and even in rebounding with the entire Hornets team when he left the floor for the first time. So just an exceptional player. Sometimes you got to tip your cap. A couple of stat lines that really ring out to me before we get to our silver linings. Hornets taking on this 76ers team that shot 51% from the floor. Hornets were 0-4 coming into the game when the opposition shot 50% or better from the field, went to 0-5. I thought the key to negating that was going to be the Hornets needed to find a way to trick the 76ers and just to taking a lot of threes and then it gets to the it's a make miss league standpoint but uh, Philadelphia able to do a good job in the paint 52 points in the paint's going to make it tough to have that shooting percentage drop under 50. One thing I did like the Hornets able to out assist the 76ers despite making fewer baskets and obviously being well behind sometimes when you fall behind in a game Guys start to play as individuals and less team basketball. That did not necessarily happen for the Hornets. 25 assists to 23. Just the third time they've lost this season when being out-assisted. You know, in general, they trailed throughout this one. They were down from about three minutes in on and never quit, as JB likes to say, never drop the sword. I like that fight in this team. Miles Bridges talked about that attitude after the game as well, about, you know, what that mindset was for the Hornets that took them from a squad that was down as many as 26 to eventually a two-possession game. I mean, we we got a lot of fighters on our team, man. We're not going to ever just give in to anybody. We always think we have a chance to win, so we're going to continue to fight throughout throughout the whole game. Miles Bridges had some big moments. We're going to get into them in our Silver Linings segment. That is coming up next here on the Hornets Hivecast. We want to invite you to tune in tomorrow and watch the Hornets as they take on the Utah Jazz. You can watch the game on Fox Sports Southeast as well as the Fox Sports Go app, or, of course, you can listen on WFNZ and the Hornets mobile app. Three seconds left on the shot clock, a rim run. It's blocked. Gordon Hayward goes out to ball, leaves it for Miles Bridges with the windmill slam. Oh, my goodness. What a fast break there. Miles Bridges into double figures, has 11. Hornets fall, but some big highlights. I think, I don't know for sure. I didn't see SportsCenter, so I don't know where it registered in the top 10 or the NBA's top 10 for the night, but I feel like that windmill is easily in the top five. Sam Farber, Rob Longo, here with you on the Hornets Hivecast. It's time for Silver Linings from last night's 118-111 to 111 loss to the Philadelphia 76ers. And as much of a positive as I thought, seeing Miles Bridges in a starting role and you know, do some nice things out there on the floor. 7-11, shooting overall 2-for-5 from 3, had 8 rebounds. I put that silver lining under LaMelo Ball for me. As a starter, he had 22 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, a good game. The 6 turnovers kind of clouds it a little bit. But what I really loved is there was 0 quit. With about 30 seconds left in the game, it's, it's basically over, okay? Philadelphia's got enough of a lead that there's not really going to be a comeback. Joel Embiid starts dribbling the ball up. He thinks he's just going to you know, hang on to it, dribble out 20 seconds, and that's going to be that. LaMelo Ball comes in from behind, picks his pocket, slaps the ball away to Cody Zeller. Cody gives it right back to the rookie. He comes up to the three-point arc and knocks one down. 
And all of a sudden, this is still a two-possession game, and the rest of the team starts to rally around him. I thought that was a huge moment for LaMelo Ball to dictate to his teammates, we are not quitting. I don't care if Joel Embiid is done playing. I'm not done playing. There's time on the clock. We can do this. And even though it didn't work and was unlikely to work from the get-go, I love the attitude. I love the mindset from LaMelo Ball. And a lot of times when you come to this league as a rookie, and especially as a teenager, you kind of got to learn those kind of things. You got to learn to play with some effort because a lot of these top players, they're the best at whatever league they're coming from or whatever college team they're coming from. And the playing surface is definitely a lot more even once they get to the association. And one of the things that LaMelo does is just plays with such energy. And if you're a veteran on this team, if you're like a Gordon Hayward or even a Cody Zeller, you got to love that from that kid. You got to love that he can come in and provide that spark and know what exactly you're going to get from him night in and night out. And the other thing that we haven't really talked about was second consecutive start. Last start, you couldn't really get a good gauge on it because of all the foul trouble he got in. This time, playing a lot smarter, playing a lot harder, I believe, too, because he didn't have to worry about accumulating all of those fouls, and it added up to a pretty consistent effort last night for LaMelo. Yeah, no doubt about it. I thought his offensive game, he's really taken a step forward here. His last four games, so the two starts and the two games directly preceding it, he's averaging just a hair under 20 points per game. That is elite scoring capacity. I don't care what your role is, starter off the bench, scoring 20 points per game in the NBA is difficult. It's very, very hard to do. So to see a rookie be able to do that, not just once, but consistently over a week-long stretch against differing levels of opponents. Last night, the the 76ers present some challenges. Other teams don't in terms of your ability to score in the paint. I mean, you really got to be committed on your drives to playing through contact or getting Joel Embiid or, or Dwight Howard off balance enough to score despite the presence of a shot-blocking center. So I thought it was a great game from LaMelo Ball. Even with six turnovers, you know, he's still a rookie. There's some things to clean up, but especially the no-quit mindset of LaMelo. I think that speaks volumes for what he has potentially in store for this team. Who's your silver lining, Rob? There's a lot I could pick from, honestly. I mean, Miles Bridges getting his first start of the season – He got off to a slow start, but he was at least consistent at the get-go. I mean, nobody really had a lot of points in the first quarter. They only had 13, but Miles had four of them. And then he was able to build on that. He picked up seven points in the second quarter and just kind of was able to keep the team at least afloat in a sense. So I think Miles coming into that starting role, he seemed pretty comfortable, you know, hearing him after postgame and stuff like that too. He seemed like he was in a comfortable spot. I mean, it's been almost a year since he – started a game and usually sometimes when you go to the bench you're used to just coming off the bench you're not used to being out there with quartet of starters but I also like Gordon Hayward too because Gordon got off to a really rough start I think at one point in the beginning of the game he was one for seven shooting and he just kind of stuck with it he finishes with 22 points that was tied with a team high with LaMelo Ball so Gordon it's just one of those things now where it's almost expected of him because I mean his average is right around 22 23 24 points now through the season but he's just been playing at such a high level that we kind of forget about that and we, in a sense, don't get to appreciate what he's doing. No doubt about it. I thought, to, to your first point, I thought Miles Bridges did a good job in there in the starting lineup, you know, contributing across points, rebounds, energy. He did have some foul trouble hamper him a little bit, but overall 16 points, a solid effort. Going into the game, I thought that the impact of being without two starters would be felt more on the second unit 
than the starters. I thought Miles Bridges coming in, yeah, there's going to be a height disadvantage, but overall he should be able to keep the status quo at least against Philadelphia. It was really once you got down to the second unit, nothing against the guys there, but many of them in their combinations not playing with each other as much, the lack of overall size was just going to hurt against the big, long, tall, strong Philadelphia team. And when you look at the plus minuses, I mean, the starters, even though they were a net negative as well, they were only a minus six for their minutes on the floor, and the guys coming off the bench were a net minus 29. So, Again, I think that ended up proving itself out, but that's neither here nor there. I do agree with you on Gordon Hayward. Really solid game. Again, a contest where you knew Philadelphia's mindset was we're going to take away X, Y, and Z from Gordon Hayward, and he still manages to have 22 points, six rebounds, eight assists, and he had a highlight as well. Rebound, LaMelo Ball, and he's quickly up the floor. Bounce pass to Gordon Hayward, cutting to the 10, and he'll slam it home with two hands. Beautiful dime by LaMelo Ball. Hornets 4-0 over Philly. All right, it's kind of a LaMelo Ball highlight, too. But Gordon Hayward, another very strong game. He continues his all-star resume. And doing this against Philadelphia, I think you know he and Tobias Harris are going to kind of be in the mix for one of those playoff positions. Uh, it might come down to you know those two and Vucevic for two out of three. It'll be interesting to see how the decision-making goes uh, amongst the coaches because it seems likely that those are the kinds of players that are not going to garner the national popular vote to get into the starting conversation, but all three absolutely should have a serious case to be made to make the all-star reserve. Yesterday when you were talking on Instagram Live about (laughs) kind of going through the process of who we're going to pick, and it was just kind of almost like a coin flip at that point. So it'll be really difficult going down the stretch, but I think Gordon, with the exception of that one Indiana game, has just played so consistent that you almost have to put them there no matter what. Those are our silver linings from last night's 118 to 111 loss. Hornets are going to hope to get that bad taste out of their mouth in tomorrow's game against the Utah Jazz, which of course we'll have a full preview of tomorrow. And Hornets' health is going to certainly be key in that one. But whether they have the services of Terry Rozier or not, there is an argument to be made as to LaMelo Ball being in the starting lineup. He's played that well in that spot. And I think it's been noticed by the national media as well, or at least those who put together the rookie ladder at NBA.com, because they put out a new one, and I am clickbait for it every time. So we're going to talk about where LaMelo Ball stacks up on the ladder and how he compares to the other rookies. want to remind all of you fans that the buzz around LaMelo Ball is real, and this team is as well, and season ticket packages to see them in person once the doors are open again at the Hive are available for the 2021-2022 season. You can even guarantee your price right now. For more information, call 704-HORNETS or visit hornets.com to live chat with a season ticket representative. Lamello to his right. One-on-one with Curry. Keeps the crossover going. Head fake into the lane. Up with the left hand. Yes, and one opportunity too. Curry with some contact and Lamello has a shot at a three-point play. 18 points for LaMelo Ball, 11 of which have come in the second half. LaMelo Ball would end up with 22 points in last night's loss, 118-111 to the Philadelphia 76ers. Sam Farber, Rob Longo back here with you on the Hornets Hivecast. And we're going to talk LaMelo because, Rob, you've, you've learned this about me in your short time here with the Hornets. If they put out an all-star team 
rankings or list or a rookie ladder rankings or list, I will immediately want to talk about it. So there's a new one from NBA.com, and we're going to break it down. Last time around that they put one of these out, they dropped LaMelo from number one to number two. I have no vested interest. There's no bonus to my contract or anything if the Hornets get, you know, plus or minus or whatever. I just simply believe that LaMelo Ball has played as the top rookie in the NBA, and I am dumbfounded when it is not universally recognized. Not to besmirch the other rookies out there, James Wiseman was having a solid season. He is certainly going to be in the conversation, but when you looked at him statistically next to LaMelo Ball when they were adjusted in the ladder, I just didn't see enough there to justify dropping LaMelo to two and putting Wiseman to one, especially considering he had been dropped from the starting lineup, I think, hours before that list had been put out. But things have been changed. LaMelo is now at number one again. Tyrese Halliburton is number two. Weissman in at three. Edwards, the number one overall pick at four. And Emmanuel Quickly from the New York Knicks is currently five. Rob, your thoughts on the new rookie ladder. So I'm going to play a little game with you here. Okay. I'm going to throw some numbers out. I'm not going to tell you who they are. So player number one, 10.7 points per game, 3.8 rebounds per game, 5.4 assists per game. Okay. Player number two, 12.2 points per game, 5.9 rebounds per game, 6.1 assists per game. Player number three, 12.2 points per game, 6.1 rebounds per game, 0.7 assists per game. Who do you like numbers-wise there? I would say number two, from what I can hear, I think number two is at least second in points at least second in rebounds, and is a clear first in assists. So I'm going to go with player number two. So number two is LaMelo Ball. Well, there you go. (laughs) Tyrese Halliburton was the first player I gave you, and then James Wiseman was the third player I gave you. And all three of these guys are going to be starters in the NBA for a long, long time. This is not a knock against them. I, I believe Rookie of the Year is supposed to be rewarding who is statistically the best and who is having the best impact on their team. And I just don't think there is a question at this stage that LaMelo Ball meets that criteria. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton has a very good year for Sacramento. They have a relatively similar record, relatively speaking, to the Hornets. He plays a relatively similar role to the one that LaMelo does, first guard off the bench, for the majority of the time in question. I just don't think statistically you can look at his numbers next to LaMelo's and say, well, they're roughly the same. LaMelo's are a little bit better, but I'm just going to pick Halliburton, which is something, by the way, the Washington Post did a couple days ago. They said at the one-third mark, quarter pole, whatever it is, they thought that Halliburton was in line for Rookie of the Year, which also got me going yesterday with Rick Bunnell. So did you do what everybody else does these days, and you just got on Twitter and yelled at the person that wrote it? I didn't get on Twitter because I have a <laughs> podcast. I can yell at people about it. There so, you go. you got a bigger soapbox than that's most. That's right. So... In terms of your question, I mean, I think it's to the point if, depending on what happens with the health of Terry Rozier and P.J. Washington, and if LaMelo continues to start, it's kind of a no-brainer in my book. He's just done such a great job already through two games. Uh, Obviously, small sample size. First sample size, not great with all the foul trouble. Second sample size tonight, he played 38 minutes. And I think that's pretty close to a season high for him, I would imagine. I think he ended up with 33 the other night the night before he started, so that would have been Miami? 
Miami was the start, so Milwaukee. Yes, been, Milwaukee. Yes. Yeah, Milwaukee, big win. So I think he ended up with about 32, 33 minutes that night, and he ended up with 38 tonight, and it just almost didn't feel like it in a sense. But his workload is just increasing step by step as long as he doesn't get in foul trouble. And I think the foul trouble thing kind of goes back to the interview he did yesterday morning on WFNZ where he mentioned that the game in Australia when he went to Australia for a year is a lot more physical. So I think he's used to that physicality and he's able to play a little bit harder and not get those ticky-tack foul calls. I think that might be something to it, and he's trying to adjust. There is an argument to that. There is an argument to that. I I thought he picked up a lot of his fouls in the game where he had foul trouble on, you know, sometimes there's a transition play and it's clearly about to be a dunk, and rather than allow the dunk... You know, someone will just hold someone at midcourt before that pass or before that next step can happen. And I thought there were a couple of those that LaMelo purposefully picked up trying to avoid the dunks, and they just accumulated a little too quickly for him. But, you know, to what you were saying earlier, I think his starting has less and less to do with who is healthy or who else is hot on the team. I think LaMelo is proving that he, and, and has proven over the, the bulk of his work, that he is ready for this, and it's more the rest of the team being in the right spot to accommodate someone else moving down. Like early in the season when people were saying, well, Devontae Graham was not shooting well, so he should move down. I thought the opposite was true. Why would you want to take someone who has to be, for you to win, one of your best players and try and create a mental barrier to him having his best success? Right now, Devontae Graham is shooting great. I mean, last night's game was not his finest shooting effort. He still knocked down a couple of threes. He looked confident with the shot. I didn't have any issue with what he was doing out there. I don't think anyone else should either. If you needed to make a move now, I think Devontae Graham is in a better spot to help the team overall and continue to play his overall minutes if that's what you want to do. Or Terry Rozier, similar story. Malik Monk, similar story. So I think the Hornets now, with the way things have transpired, just have more options. They have more of a natural argument to say, look, the kid's playing great. we got to put him in there. It's undeniable how good he is. And I think the Hornets are just in a better position now than if they had started him from day one. And I think when you look at Golden State, there's an argument to be made that the opposite decision to start Wiseman from day one, as good and as talented as he is, he ended up getting put back to the second unit. So who knows how that adjustment ends up affecting the rest of his month, his season, so on and so forth. There's a lot to unpack there, what you just said. The guard play is just so deep for the Hornets. I mean, it, and it justifies going small a lot of the times. And there was a lot of people clamoring at the beginning of the year, start LaMelo, start LaMelo, start LaMelo. And you got to keep in mind, the kid is 19 years old, and there was no formal training camp, no formal preseason. You had a couple of preseason games to kind of get your feet underneath you, and that's just a little bit of taste of what you need. Now we're about a third of the way through the regular season so far. Now you can really start to evaluate, and I think that's something that's going to come with some time if LaMelo continues to start. The first unit is really starting to get accustomed to playing with him a little bit. There's still one or two times where somebody in the post might not be as quick to recognize a behind-the-back head pass or a behind-the-back pass from LaMelo, and that's just going to come with time and with playing each other. And earlier in the week, I know somebody asked JB about how do you see how a unit works? You know, how how long do you give it to test it? And he said at least three to five games. You're going to start getting to that three to five game mark here coming up pretty soon for LaMelo. I think that's true. It's an interesting time for the Hornets. I think there's a whole lot 
more positive in front of this team now than a couple weeks ago, obviously, when they were in those doldrums there, losing six of seven, even with this loss last night to Philadelphia. They've won three of four. They've got the number one rookie in the NBA, according to the rookie ladder. And with the effort they put forth down two starters against the number one team in the Eastern Conference, I think there's an awful lot to be positive about moving forward. Next up for the Hornets is going to be the Utah Jazz. It is certainly going to be a tough matchup because Utah is, without a doubt, one of the best teams in the NBA. They ripped off 11 wins in a row at one point. We will have a full preview of that game tomorrow on the Hornets Hivecast. I want to say thank you to Rob Longo, our producer, for joining me here today, and most of all to all of you for tuning in as well. We invite you back tomorrow when we preview the matchup with the Utah Jazz and Oh, I don't know. If another rookie ladder or all-star ballot thing gets put out, I'll probably complain about that as well. Till then, for everyone here with the Hornets, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow right here on the Hornets Hotcast.